0: I am so excited to jump into the Word this morning. Uh, If you're able to, go ahead and bow your head with me and close your eyes just for a moment. Let's open this up with prayer. Lord, we thank you for another opportunity to open your Word. God, I pray that you would speak everything that you need to say, that we would hear it, that we would understand it, that we'd know what to do with it, and we'd apply this to our lives. God, I, I pray that our hearts would be opened, our ears would be opened, our mind would be ready to experience you to hear from you and to see you change our lives forever. Holy Spirit, we give you the freedom in our homes, in our cars, in our living rooms, wherever we are, to speak to us and to touch our hearts and to change the course and the direction of our lives. God, we love you and we honor you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, well, if you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter four. I'm gonna continue a series I started two weeks ago called Seed to Soil. Seed to Soil, and two weeks ago, if you missed that, I'd encourage you to go back and and check that out on um, our website or on YouTube, uh, on Facebook. You can find it in different places, even on our podcast. But we talked about the path, and we talked about how the path was hardened ground, that was unprepared ground. And so when the seed fell on the path, the birds came in and they just, they snatched it away. And ultimately, when Jesus explains that parable, he says that when we don't understand the word, when we hear the word but we don't understand it, then it has no place to produce in our lives. That it just, Satan comes in and he just steals that word. This morning, we're going to go to this next portion of soil when we're talking about seed to soil in this parable in Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to begin, um, I'll read this, but I want to get to verse 5. In verse 1, it says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. Today we're going to talk about the rocky ground. Uh, If there was a subtitle to this message, I'm calling it shallowed ground. Because we talk about hallowed ground, but this ground is shallow. And because it's shallow, it has no depth to it. And that causes a problem for the seed. We, We read here, and we know that the seed is the word of God. And here in rocky ground, the seed, it falls on soil that's softer and better than the path, but we're told that it doesn't have any depth to it. There's not much soil available to this seed. And so... The rocky ground is partially prepared ground, but as the the farmer would have been preparing this ground, he didn't remove all of the rocks that were in this ground. And so the seed was able to get down into the ground, but there were rocks there that would would hinder the growth of this seed. And so the the seed uh, penetrated the ground, which was better than what it did on the path, but the rocks that were here, uh, they they kept this seed from taking root if you will. And so it doesn't go down deep enough because the rocks are there blocking it. And you know, this just makes me pause and and want to ask us this question and not just to you but to us is what are the hard places in our hearts that are blocking the word from going down deep into our own heart because I think if we're honest, there's all, all of us have places or subjects or times or seasons where maybe our entire heart is not rocky ground, but there's something hardened in our heart that is keeping the word from taking root. It's keeping the word from gaining depth into um, our heart. So we know again that the seed is the word of God. And so we see that it immediately sprang up and it looked like it produced like it would have if it would have been good soil. When we read that here on rocky ground, that immediately this, it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And, and, and so in this, um, there were parts of this land during this time that had layers of limestone in it. And so... Beneath the surface of the ground were these limestones, these rocks, like gravel almost. And so the ground looked like it would have been good ground, but a layer underneath it was hardened. And because of that, um, there was a brief period of time where the seed could get in and, and, and it could maybe sprout up and flourish. But as soon as a dry spell comes, then the moisture that was under the ground there, it was soaked up by the rocks and then that layer of limestone, that layer of rock would have caused caused this seed to completely wither and die, which is what Jesus is saying here to the crowd, is how he's explaining this. And so this seed, which is the word of God, was scorched because it had no root and then it withered away. And it only took, takes one dry season for this seed to wither away. And I think we can all relate to that where we get a word and we're excited about the word and the word, we feel like it's not like all the way in all the way rooted in us but we're excited about it and, and it's somewhat rooted in us and then there's a difficulty there's a dry season and all of a sudden we've lost that word we talked about this a couple weeks ago but Jesus goes on to finish this parable he tells the crowd hey that's it you know he just there was some farmer he sowed some seed it fell in these different grounds and and, and he who has ears to hear let him hear and that was all he told the crowd but then the disciples come to him and they say, hey, well, Jesus, tell us what that meant. And he's, he's shocked by this. He's like, you don't know what this means? If you don't understand this story, then how can you understand any of the other stories? And so then he begins to explain it to him. Let's read of how he explains this portion of soil in Mark chapter four, verse 16. He says this, and these are the ones who sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So let's unpack this a little bit. So the word, which is the seed here in this parable, it was heard. They heard the word. People who who are, uh, uh, their hearts are rocky ground or portions of their hearts are rocky ground still hear the word. And what we're going to see over uh, the next coming weeks is all four types of soil that Jesus talks about here in this parable, they all hear the word. The differentiator between whether you're the path or rocky ground or thorny ground is not whether or not you hear the word. Jesus is talking about people and situations where we hear, all of us hear the word. It's a matter of what do we do with the word. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So faith is produced from hearing the word, but hearing the word doesn't always produce faith. Hearing the word is good, but it's not enough because even the path heard The word. Remember, the path didn't understand it, but they heard it. And here, rocky ground, which ultimately is not the goal for us to be rocky ground. Even rocky ground hears the word. So it's not good enough for us to just hear the word, even though hearing the word is good. Again, this word, which is the seed, was immediately received. And that word received means accept or take hold or seize. And it was immediately received with joy. So it was immediately accepted or taken hold of or seized with joy. It, 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 was, it was hearing the word and being like, yes, I agree with that and I'm happy about it. Like I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I'm full of joy because I've heard this word and because I have accepted it. But this heart or this soil, has no root or depth. And so it tells us that it does endure for a while, just like the, 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 the seed getting into the rocky ground, the limestone that's beneath that, that first layer. And the seed, or the word, it was heard, it was accepted with joy, but it still was not allowed to occupy much space in our heart. So it was heard and accepted, even with a good attitude, but in our heart, we knew good and well, that we weren't ready to make any life decisions based on this word. So it's a good word. Man, pastor, you preached a good word. Or man, that was a good sermon. Or man, I just read something in my Bible and man, it was good. And, and, I, and I believe it and I accept it, but I'm not willing to really make any life changes because of it. So that was good and I'm just going to keep living the way that I'm living. I'm not going to make any changes. We can We can learn many things from this, but But the word, it impacts us from the time that we hear it. and In this case, if you're rocky ground, until difficulty comes. And then when difficulty comes, then it's going to matter whether or not that word was rooted in our hearts. It's going to matter whether or not we didn't just hear it and say it was a good word, but whether we said, I am willing to, to do something with this. I am willing to change my life and base my life on the word of God. Depth of the word in our mind doesn't equal depth of the word in our heart. Remember, we looked at this last week with the path. The path didn't understand it. So we have to, uh, uh, we have to do what we need to do to be able to understand the word, to have depth in our mind, to have uh, you know, a, a, a deepness to our level of understanding of Scripture and God and who he's made us to be. But that always, doesn't always equal depth of our heart. Because here, the the, the path they need to understand, but now in rocky ground, it's not that the rocky ground didn't understand. It's that the rocky ground didn't have any root. It didn't have any depth to it. So how do we get the word rooted in our heart? How does that seed get rooted into that soil? Um, Let me me share this with you in Colossians chapter 2. Verses six through eight, it says this, therefore as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, which simply means live in him, make the decisions, the daily consistent decisions of your life to be in him and him in you. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So there's, there's five things here that I wanna, I wanna challenge us with to make sure that we consistently stay rooted in the word so that we have depth, not just in our mind, but in our heart. Number one is hearing the word or reading the word. In Proverbs 4, we talk, We look at the, the different ways that the word gets into our heart, the different gates, and that's our eyes and our ears. And so even in hearing the word, you know, that's not just hearing sermons, but that could also be you reading the word and reading it out loud. Because now you're not only reading it, you're speaking it, and then you're hearing yourself speak the word. But hearing the word helps us to be rooted and grounded in the word and it getting into our hearts. We see this with the path and we see this with the rocky ground. The second thing is understand the word. This is what sets us apart from being the path is our level of understanding. So once we uh, continue to read and pray and study, we talked about all those things a couple weeks ago where we begin to understand the word, then we're no longer the path, but we're still in danger of being rocky ground. Number three is we need to believe the word. So it's not good enough to just hear it or read it, not even good enough to just understand it, but we need to believe it. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then number four is we have to do something that we would have to do if we naturally wanted a seed to grow, and that is you have to water it. So you have to water the word. This is done through prayer. Here, when we when we read this um, in Colossians chapter 2, when rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as we were taught, abounding in thanksgiving, you know, and, and we have to realize that these are things that not only are done naturally through our mind and through our ears or even through our heart, but they're done spiritually. And the Holy Spirit is often connected with water throughout the scripture. And so watering a seed so that it can get rooted, um, I'm saying that let's take that and let's apply that spiritually. So let's water the word with the Holy Spirit through prayer, through seeking the Holy Spirit, not just for understanding, but God, what is it that you want me to know? What is it you want me to do? How do you want me to apply this to our lives? And so let's do this through not just reading the word and understanding it, but praying through the word. Taking this word and and bringing it back to God in conversation with him, in in asking of him, in petition of him. And then number five, decide that the word is not just going to be something you know, but it's going to be something that guides you. Not just something you know, but something that it guides you, especially in difficult times. So refusing to allow pressure to get you offended. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Because when you allow yourself to be offended, you're allowing the sun to come in and scorch your seed. And it will wither away. When we read through in in, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 16 and and 17, we see about this rocky ground. That they not only, in verse 17, they had no root in themselves but endured for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Let's talk about that for a minute. So tribulation um, or affliction, if you're in the King James Version, it's a pressure that comes on us and it's a pressure specifically through circumstances. So maybe it might be pressure financially. Maybe it might be, Um, pressure right now with the election season politically maybe there's all kind of pressures that can come on us and and we experience these through the circumstances of our lives and circumstances of what's going on around us and what what happens with persecution uh, or, or tribulation or affliction this pressure that comes on us through our circumstances is it produces a fear in us It tries to to push us to a fear, maybe a fear of what may be, or maybe even a fear of what already is. And this pressure is constantly pushing and pushing and pushing us towards fear. But God uses pressure through circumstances to develop patience and build hope. Let me read this to you in Romans chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So rejoice in hope. Even in the middle of affliction, tribulation, uh, the middle of pressure that's coming on us, choose to rejoice in the hope of Christ. Because there will always be a ray of hope. There will always be a light of hope. Even in the darkest moments, even in the darkest seasons, God will reveal to you these rays or these moments or these lights of hope. We're also told here to be patient in tribulation. Patience produces character. If you grow weary in well-doing, um, then you need to hold even tighter to God and his word. As, as, as you're in times of pressure, you need to, to grow closer to God and hold tighter to his word, not go farther away from it. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7-10. through But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. And then we need to make sure that we are constant in prayer, especially in the times of pressure, the times of difficulty, the times of of tribulation. We need to be constant in prayer. We need to go to God and cast our cares on Him and allow Him to give us the peace that passes all understanding. So, how do we actually overcome this pressure? How do we overcome the pressure of circumstances so that the word is is rooted and we don't become uh, offended, we don't fall away, that we don't become the rocky ground or we don't have these rocky ground pieces in our hearts? Number one, we got to keep our focus on Jesus. We got to keep our focus on Jesus. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for this light Momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We got to keep our focus on Jesus when when life gets tough and the circumstances are bringing pressure into your life. You got to keep your focus on Jesus. You can't look around. It's like when when uh, when, when Jesus was walking on water and he, and he says he says like come to me. It, the moment that you that you take your focus off of Jesus and you begin to look at the storms and the waves that are around you, you begin to sink. But we have to keep our focus on Jesus. And as long as we keep our focus on Jesus, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. He will sustain us. He will protect us. He will provide for us. Number two, you have to allow Jesus to do what Jesus does. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in all our affliction. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. So we have to allow Jesus to comfort us in the middle of the pressure, in the middle of the tribulation, in the middle of the affliction. When that, when that pressure comes on you and it feels so dark and it feels so so difficult, we have to allow Jesus to do what Jesus does. We have to allow him to comfort us. We cannot try to comfort ourselves in a bottle or in a joint or in in TV or in social media or in working more hours or whatever it is that we turn to, we have to allow Jesus to be our comfort. We also have to allow Jesus to be our strength, to be the one that overcomes. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in him, we would have peace. In the world, we will have tribulation, but we can take heart because he has overcome the world. So if we keep our focus on him and allow him to to do what he does and not get in his way, but trust him and believe him, then he has overcome the world and therefore we will overcome the world. And then number three, we have to endure to the end. Whenever this pressure comes, this tribulation, we cannot grow weary in well-doing. We can't faint, we can't quit, we cannot give up. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 through 13, then they will deliver you up to the tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Jesus promises if we will stick it out, if we will toughen up and we will not quit, we will have patience and we will will have a a, a strength, a a spiritual inner strength to us that does not give up, that refuses to back down, that refuses to give up, then Jesus promises that he's not only overcome the world, but if we endure to the end, he will save us. He will rescue us. He will make it all right. Right? So tribulation. Tribulation comes, this pressure through circumstances, it comes, but also persecution comes. It comes for the word. We're told that persecution, it, persecution is a little different than tribulation. Persecution is pressure that comes not from circumstances, but pressure that comes from people. It can be devastating. It can be as devastating as the pressure that comes through circumstances. I mean, there is very few pains as pains of people letting you down or people putting pressure on you or people disappointing you or uh, people have, I mean, we, we say all these things like, you know, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, that's not true. People have power in our lives. And people have the ability, because they have that power, to be able to hurt us. And yes, there, there is balance in this where you shouldn't give people too much power. You know, they don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. And ultimately, you need to, to obey God and do what God wants you to do. But we're also not called to live our lives alone. We're called to, live, uh, to love each other, to live in community. And that requires love. That requires access. That requires disclosure. That requires vulnerability, which then gives them some power to be able to bring you joy or to bring you pain. It's just the way it is, but we often get, get so consumed on the people and the pressure that they are bringing that we make these problems natural problems, and they're not natural problems. We see our battles as against other people, and they're not against other people. Paul makes this clear in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So this is a spiritual battle, and so we have to fight it spiritually, not naturally. When enough pressure is applied to an object, whether it's through circumstances or whether it's through people, then whatever's inside of that object is inevitably going to come out. It's going, when it's squeezed, what, what burst will be what comes out. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what's on the inside of us? When pressure from people come and we're squeezed, what comes out? Does the word come out? Is the word rooted in us and it's, and it's planted in us? And, and, and because of that, if you squeeze me hard enough, I'm going to forgive even more. I'm going to be even more gracious. I'm going to be even more giving. I'm going to be even more generous. Or is the word really not in there? And if we're squeezed, if people, if they press the right buttons, if they put the right amount of pressure on us, then what comes out is, the world, and not the word. We need to be honest with that. We need to be honest with answering that question of what's really in here. Because if we're not intentional about getting the word down deep in us, then we are going to be rocky ground when the pressure comes. It's not if the pressure comes, but when the pressure comes. Because it will come. But if the word is down in us, then when that pressure comes, whether through circumstances or through persecution, then what comes out is God's word, what comes out is our response to God's word more than our response to the natural things that are bringing us pressure. So very simply, very quickly, let me, let me tell you, how do we overcome this persecution? How do we overcome the pressure that people would put on us in various different ways? And to do that, I wanna, I wanna read to you something Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, verse 43 through 45. He said, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 13, 7 and 8. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But we know that love does not. So, when we have pressure, this persecution from people, what are we? how should we respond as Christians? We should respond, first of all, with forgiveness. Forgiveness, 70 times 7. Complete forgiveness. We should respond in prayer. We should pray for those who persecute us our enemies even. And we should take this a step further and we should do good to them. It doesn't mean that if somebody hurts you, if they bring the pressure on you that that harms you or your family, that you continue to give them the same level of access, that you continue to tell them the same level of disclosure, but we are required to forgive, to pray, to do good, ultimately to love them. And I know that that can be difficult, not just with differences of opinion, but that can be Really, really difficult. But nowhere in the scripture do we have an out, do we have an exception to where if they are too difficult to love, then you don't have to do this. Nope, even, Jesus says, even our enemies, we are required to love through forgiveness, praying, and even doing good to them. When we read these verses about the rocky ground, another thing that really, really jumped out at me as I was studying this. And in verse 16, we're told that when they heard the word, immediately they received it. They believed it. They took hold of it. They seized it. They accepted it. But then in verse 17, we're told that as soon as this pressure comes, immediately again, they fall away. This is, this is interesting because the word was immediately accepted with joy even when it was heard but it was also immediately given up when pressure comes and that's because depth and time have a direct correlation depth doesn't come without invested time so if you read your bible on sunday mornings and that's it if you read your bible you know once a week if you don't even read it once a week if you if you're not investing any time In this word, then this word is not getting deep. No matter how naturally smart you may be, no matter how much you may be able to recite, depth and time have a direct correlation. That's why immediately I can say I believe it, but then immediately I give it up because I haven't invested any time in this word. I haven't gotten into it and not just studied to understand it, but prayed it through to be able to apply it to my life. And immediately they fall away. When you study this out, it actually means that they got offended. They got offended. So so I don't want us to miss this. Pressure through circumstances and pressure through people, they have a purpose. They are in your life for a purpose. They are coming not just to bring pressure, not just to make you feel bad, not just to have you worry. They are coming for a purpose. And that purpose is specifically to get you offended. So we need to recognize We need to recognize when that difficulty comes, when that pressure comes, it is a spiritual attack to get you offended. The crazy thing about this is, as Christians, we should be the people that are impossible to offend. I I love this saying, you can never say the right thing to the wrong person. and You can never say the wrong thing to the right person. Do You know, as Christians, we should be the people that you can never say the wrong thing to. We, we, we should never, I mean, like, what, what, why, why would we be offended? What, what do we have to be offended about? Because Jesus made it clear, like, if you talk about me, that doesn't make him love me any less. That doesn't make him change his plans for me because you don't think I can do it. If you even cause me financial harm or even physical harm, is that a reasoning for me to be offended? Not according to scripture, not according to Jesus. Why? Because I'm secure in him. Like he is not just my savior, he's my Lord. So, so God, you, you take care of me, you provide for me. If they want to talk about me, if they want to do that, it doesn't feel good. I understand the emotions, but I got to get past the emotions because I'm getting squeezed. And I got to make sure that word is down deep on the inside of me so that that's what comes out, not my emotions, not my feelings. We got to make sure that we no longer are people who are easily offended. And the reason that we're not easily offended is because we get and we stay rooted in this word. And if I get and I stay rooted in this word, then, man, it's it's going to be really hard to offend me. It's going to be really hard to offend me because I have peace from God. I have worth from God. I have value in God. I have love in God. So whether whether you give it to me or not, I get it from God. And that's way better than anything you could ever give me. So you can disrespect me. I'm not going to be offended with you. You can disagree with me. I'm not going to be offended with you. Why? Because I know God loves me. Because I know where, where my value comes from. To make sure that we're not people who are easily offended, we have to refuse to allow tribulation and persecution to push us to offense. We need to start recognizing that this pressure that we're experiencing is trying to get you offended. It's trying to test whether or not there's any depth to the word, whether it's rooted or whether it's shallow ground. And if the word is shallow ground in your life right now, then I urge you, I implore you, I almost beg you to invest some time in this because it's through investing time in God's word that it'll get rooted. You'll get the understanding to make sure you're not the path. You hear the word, but they all four hear the word. But it's investing some time to get it rooted down on the inside of you so that no matter what squeezes you, the word is what comes out. And, man, I tell you, there's no no peace, there's no joy like getting rooted in the word. Man, there's a calm. There's an assurance in getting rooted in the word. And, man, that's our goal. That's our goal. Rocky ground is not the goal. The path is not the goal. We're going to get in the next several weeks to the goal of being good soil. But I can tell you this, wherever you can identify the rocky parts of your heart, then we need to make sure that we do what we need to do to invest the time to get some depth into this shallow ground of our heart. We need to open up real estate in our heart to be able to give it to the word as opposed to giving it to social media and politics and our bank accounts and our jobs and all these other things. God deserves it. And I promise you, it'll be a blessing to you. Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also invest in helping us empower others to follow Jesus by texting any dollar amount to 512-520-0185. Thanks again for joining us today on the Faith for Life podcast.